Next up on Talk Zone is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. Are you concerned about your job? Concerned about losing it? Concerned about not having the tools needed to reinvent your career or to reposition yourself in the workplace? If the answer to any of these questions is yes, or even if you just want to be a part of the workplace improvement revolution, then join the conversation right now on Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. Now, here are your hosts, Charlie and Eva. Even as we speak, old businesses are being sunset, making way for new ideas, new thinking, and new businesses. We have a lot to learn on today's show, and it's going to be a good one. So stay with us. We'll be back in less than 30 seconds. Hey, everyone. Charlie here. Did you know Eva and I have a really cool e-commerce shopping site? It's shopcharlieandeva.com. Check it out. You'll find custom designs that might just make a statement about you. And some great gift items, too. That's shopcharlieandeva.com. We're adding more designs every month, so be sure to keep checking back in. One last time, shopcharlieandeva.com. Let's get back to Charlie and Eva for more corporate talk on TalkZone. Thanks for staying with us, everyone. How are you, Charles? I'm good, E. This is going to be a great show. It's going to be a great show. And our guest today is Rob Call. Rob is an award-winning journalist, inventor, software architect, consultant, speaker, and visionary. And he is the author of The Bottom-Up Revolution, Mastering the Emerging World of Connectivity, which we absolutely love. We love this whole topic. So, hi, Rob. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. We're so happy to have you. So I want to start from the very beginning because you talk about the bottom-up revolution. Can we start with a definition of bottom-up? Absolutely, because most people don't really get it, know what bottom-up is. So if you're going to think about bottom-up at all, most people think about grassroots or wisdom of the crowd or crowdfunding or crowdsourcing, and that is bottom-up. But uh, basically, bottom-up is is a way of – is connection to other people, is cooperating with other people. You know, humans evolved to be connected, to be in relationships, to be in communities and groups. And bottom-up really kind of describes all the different ways that that happens. And uh, I, I like to describe the ideas in, in my bottom-up revolution book based on the idea that people of none of us, sometimes called Eskimos, they have 50 words for snow. And they have 50 words because they have to be able to fully understand and describe all the different possibilities for them to survive and to strive. I think we need to do the same thing with bottom up. And so my book is an attempt to get people to start seeing the world with bottom up eyes and understanding how they can engage in a more bottom up way with the world, whether it's in their jobs, in their business, marketing, personal lives, just about anyway. And you know, we love this concept. We love the concept of bottom up and of looking, looking at things differently because we've been too, I guess we've been too programmed to think top down. And so looking at this new way really is uh, revolutionary. So, you know, before we even get into it, like how did you get excited about bottom-up, and what made you start researching this? Because your book is really well-researched. What made you really deep dive into it? 
I started a personal blog uh, in 2003, and it started to take off. I started to have a lot of other people contributing content to it. And it started seeing 100,000, 200,000, up to 800,000 unique visitors a month. And I found that the more I took a bottom-up approach to running it, in other words, involving all the users in making decisions about policy and how we did things, the better it did, the more successful it was. And I, and I, about the same time, I had a conversation with Joe Trippi. He was the first campaign manager in a national campaign to use the internet. Uh, and basically, he, 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 he basically worked for, uh, Howard Dean. And what he told me, and this was in 2008, was that Hillary Clinton had the most powerful top-down political campaign ever. And she was going to lose to a bottom-up campaign from Barack Obama. And so that really got me uh, started fascinated with the idea, wanting to try to understand it and seeing these bottom-up companies turning into multi-billion-dollar companies. And so I started uh, asking questions and talking to people, and I got kind of lucky in the beginning. I had a chance to, to do an interview with Jack Dorsey, the founder of Twitter, mm-hmm. and Craig Newmark, the founder of Craigslist, and Ariana Huffington, and Robin Chase, the founder of Zipcar. So I really got a chance to pick some some of the brains of the really visionary people who were tapping the power of this bottom-up revolution. Hmm. You know, <clears throat> you authenticated – Everything you write about, when you discussed your blog, you said it started to take off, and uh, I think it's because I was engaging all of us as you know practicing what I preach with the with the participants. So I was hearing from everyone, listening to everyone. See, we believe Eva and I that you know there's greatness in all of us, and your bottom up approach to us is a shared leadership model, and we just think it's great. Thank you. It's 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 been a lot of fun putting this all together and uh, seeing a bigger picture. Like one of the things I discovered that I didn't realize in the beginning is that humans evolved to be bottom up, and that the 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 tree of evolution goes back about seven million years, and and all that time humans and their predecessors were evolving with hundreds of different genes to function in small hunter-gatherer bands of 30 to 80 people, even before tribes. And over these millions of years, we have had these genes that are such a core part of who we are. And then civilization came along, and it kind of turned things upside down. Civilization gave us hierarchy, centralization, domination, even slavery. These are all top-down kinds of things. And it started getting us to see the world in a very different way and and started getting us to repress a lot of the bottom-up-ness within us. And I think that what's happened is smartphones and the Internet have catalyzed a return to bottom-up. And and the reason that it's such a, a powerful revolution that over the last 20 years has just changed how business is done, how relationships function, is because we have those genes, they're dormant, waiting to be awakened. So, Rob, I really like what you had to say about that, because I think 
what everyone is missing lately and you and you see it and when people talk about being lonely and being disconnected that connection is so important and that what you're saying basically is that we as a species species are programmed to connect with others. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting, right? When you go back in time the way you did with the small groups, mm-hmm. I had a little epiphany here, right? Like the small scrum teams were in existence way before it hit the <laughs> workplace. So that was really cool. I never thought of it like that, but I guess it's true. So I look at um, the top-down is safer, less less risk. It's more tell me what you want me to do um, versus bottom-up. Um, based on what I know, here's how I think we should proceed. And that's where we find the greatness, when people start contributing and not just following direction. So I do have a question that kind of springboards from what you were saying. So how did we start evolving from bottom up to top down? Like how did everyone all of a sudden just start buying into top down? Well, uh, I think it's about civilization came with domestication of animals and basically farming, the domestication of land. So you've got the dominating of animals, dominating of land, and you started having surpluses of food, and you started having places that food was being grown that you had to protect. That led to the need for police and soldiers, and that led to people being in charge of that, and you, you got hierarchy. And you got different classes and you got people who were out in the fields working and you got people who were telling people what to do. And I think this is how that started. And that compared to when when people were living in hunter-gatherer bands, everybody helped everybody else. They had to have a kind of what I call connection consciousness, an awareness of what their decisions would do and how it would affect everybody else and the nature around them because they depended on it. What's changed is that with civilization, we've lost that respect for nature and for our connection to each other. And we've developed an attitude like we own nature. We have the right to do anything we want to it. Uh, you know, one Western European uh, came to the to the uh, United States and and South America and North America with with the belief that they had the right to take any land from anybody who did not believe what they did, hmm. and uh, basically they they did that and they killed off ninety percent of the people. Uh, I, I think that part of my thinking about bottom-up is that you have to respect everybody. You have to uh, treat them with consideration. Now, if you're in management, if you're an employer, that means you need to listen to your employees and you need to listen to your customers. And there are things you can do that are bottom-up ways of having relationships with employees and customers that can make your business a lot more successful. If you have a top-down approach where you're going to make all the decisions based on a handful of management level people and then just say, this is what's going to be. It's not going to be nearly as successful as if you have a a two way connection between you and your customers and your employees. And I totally agree with that. And I also, I also used to think, especially when I first started working that the difference with corporations now and companies in the past, a lot of it was, is in the past, 
you worked in the same community where you had your company or you had your business. And so you couldn't make these big global decisions based solely on just making more money because you had to be accountable to the people in your community. You couldn't just let the community die because you actually lived in that community. You actually went to church with these people or your kids went to school with them. And now it's become so global and disconnected that they don't see the impact of their decisions on on the people, not only within their organization, but within the communities that they support with it, where these people work. And Absolutely. And the, the reality mm-hmm. is that this form of centralization has been catastrophic for businesses. The, the economic collapse that we had in 2008, one of the biggest reasons for it was that the big banks stopped using local bankers who had a, a finger on the pulse of the community uh, mm-hmm. and they start used, using centralized algorithms. And algorithms are something that have become a huge part of the top-down, centralized nature of business today. And algorithms can be very useful. I mean, they're a part of artificial intelligence in some ways. But we also need to do as much locally as we can. And I, I believe that in terms of saving community and, and, and maximizing our connections to other people, it you want to try to do as much local business as you can. And and even if you're working with big platforms like Amazon, for example, Amazon has at least a million small businesses that it is representing that are doing business on Amazon. So even if you're going to go to Amazon, try to find this local small businesses rather than buying directly from Amazon. Uh, that's a way that you can help maintain local community. Oh, that's a great point. Well, we're going to go ahead and take our first break. Stay with us, everyone. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva, and our guest today is Rob Call. We'll be right back. Let's face it. Getting noticed at work can be tough. And if you're someone that struggles with anxiety when giving a presentation, voicing your opinion, or sharing your skills with other professionals, it can be even tougher. Hi, I'm Eva Levandusky, and I know how it feels. You have the confidence, yet when all eyes are on you, the fear can kick in. I tried everything from Toastmasters to hypnosis and nothing helped. But in my search, I uncovered a secret. There was nothing wrong with me. I just needed the right combination of tools and support. So I developed my own program that teaches you how to calm the physical symptoms, stop the negative self-talk, and shows you how to confidently step into the role of leader, regardless of your job title. If you do the work, this program is not only effective, it's fast. So reach out to me at Eva at charlieandeva.com for a free 30-minute consultation. It's your turn to step into the spotlight. Welcome back to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva on TalkZone.com. Okay, welcome back. Great first segment. Um, we are talking today with Rob Call, award-winning journalist, inventor, software architect, consultant, speaker, and visionary. He is the author of The Bottom-Up Revolution, Mastering the Emerging World of Connectivity. So, Rob, where and how can we get this book? The easiest way to find a place to get it is at robcall.com, R-O-B-K-A-L-L.com. If you click on the book tab, then it gives links to Amazon and Pals and and small uh, bookstore links. And uh, that's probably the easiest way to do it. Excellent. Um, you know, when I hear you talk and I get the gist of 
um, the bottom-up revolution, when I see your credentials, the one that jumps off the page at me is visionary <laughs> because um, this is um, forward-thinking for sure, right? Um, and I love it. You know, sometimes in corporate or in large companies, bottom-up thinking might be looked upon as, oh, is it against, you know, the hierarchy? Are you against the leadership? And it's not really true, right? Bottom-up leadership, as I see it, as you explain it, is we kind of all have each other's backs. So we don't, we don't have that ambivalence anymore. We want to contribute. If we see a way to make something better, we want to step up. Um, and give ourselves a sense of contribution, I think. And, and that's kind of what the way I see the bottom up approach. Is that kind of in line with what you're thinking? Yes. And we do need top down. There's no way to function without top down, but there's too much top down. It's, it's an imbalance right now. And we need more bottom up and, and individuals need a lot more bottom up in their life. They, I believe that connection or, or disconnection is becoming an, an epidemic. That people are disconnecting. They are engaging with digital media in a way that is is not healthy. Oh, it's crazy! You know, just walk into a movie theater before the movie, and as you're walking down the aisle, all you see are phones in progress. Everybody's sitting, playing on their phones, waiting for the movie to start. It's just, it's an addiction. I agree. Or even worse, go to a conference where the speaker hasn't begun yet. And, and that's a, an, a, an incredible place for networking, for learning and meeting new people. And you see, all, you know, a sea of, of, of phone lights on and everybody's looking at their phone rather than taking what a, an amazing opportunity that is. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, you know, well, and I see what people are doing. They're hiding behind their phones. Yeah. So it used to be you'd go for a smoke break or you would even, you know, some people would sneak a drink. And yeah. now they're using their phone as that addiction to kind of hide because everybody's feeling a little nervous, especially if you go to a conference, like you were saying, and and it makes you nervous to network with people. Your phone is like an easy thing to go heads down into. And that's what people are using it at as as a way to hide they feel like they're connecting but they're hiding yeah and um, i think that people have lost a lot of the connection skills and it's it's there were so many things that have contributed to it i mean if you go back a couple decades people spent a lot more time with each other uh before there was color tv and air conditioning uh, people would sit outside on their front stoops or on their their front patios and they would get together with their neighbors and you know, then air conditioning and television and prime time came along and all of a sudden that aspect of community was lost. And, you know, kids, people, I mean, not even kids, I mean, people born after 1980, their brains are different. And if, if you are born before 1980, you need to understand that, that people born after 1980, their brains function differently. And I've, I've had this confirmed by many neuroscientists who I've spoken to about this. <laughs> yeah, because you you um, you grow uh, within your own environment, and the environment is different now, right? So that's probably the reason. Well, you can hear our granddaughters talking about using Alexa. They'll talk to Alexa to get something answered. They'll, I mean, Gianna was all of like one when she was grabbing the phone and yeah, looking at I, pictures, and it is crazy, and, and know how to do that, and know how to find it. Yep, um, you know, bottom up strategic thinking 
is not something I don't think you can broadcast in the workplace. And that's one of the reasons why it's slow in its movement because people maybe sell it too harshly because you, like you said, there's always going to be a hierarchy. I think the key here is to act as if, right? Act as if it's our company and I'm just as responsible as the top guy. But the problem as I see it, and maybe you can help shed some light on this, I'm not sure, is a lot of the companies, and you make reference to them, Google, Amazon, they're utilizing the workforce as a bottom-up strategy. However, the revenue is coming top, is still playing the top-down uh, philosophy in that the people at the bottom, the people doing all of the work and contributing are making the least. Well, here you're talking about a, a growing issue of, of about these super platforms, Amazon, Google, Facebook, uh, Microsoft, Apple. They all have these massive platforms. They've all acquired hundreds of different smaller companies that do different things. And they are becoming fabulously wealthy because of the data that they're getting and uh People are basically letting them have that for free. And that's a, a, an interesting challenge to our economic system because that doesn't have to be that way. There's no reason why people can't share in the value of, of that information. And it's, it's a challenge. It's a challenge that, that has not been met that is really just beginning to be discussed. Uh, and, there are conferences that are happening looking at the, the problem of platforms and th- some uh, people are beginning to create alternatives, but it's, it's very challenging because these huge super platforms are really addicting, very addicting. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's also to your – in your book and everything you say, a lot of the big companies subscribe um, and even some of the political leaders, you know, you hear it all the time, you know, the people, the people, the people. Um, but when it doesn't happen, right, when there's that imbalance that remains, it kind of puts water on the revolution, you know. Um, and we want to try to we want to try to break through that. We want to try to instead of having a CEO make, you know, a hundred million dollars, maybe he gets five million up. Oh, Socialism, socialism, it's not really what I'm saying, you know. I'm just saying there should be a better – leading from the bottom means the top as well is part of the bottom, you know, um, and that's what we need to get to. Well, there's a, a, the idea that there is extractive economics and there's generative economics. Generative economics – is is a, is one where everybody benefits extractive is where basically a handful of people at the top take out everything you know and that's basically what capitalism as it is today has become mm-hmm. I, in the 60s there was a different kind of capitalism and there workers were given a much bigger share and and were given more opportunity and, and it's possible for capitalism to exist in many different forms and a kind of a, a bottom-up capitalism is what I think we need to move towards, and that is one where the people who are helping to make the profits and the community and the culture where those profits are profits are being made 
need to be included in in sharing of the profits. Yeah, the way they get around it is profit sharing is one of the benefits. Um, well, and and when you look at the 60s, and I agree with you because you know prior to I believe it was the 80s, the difference between the the bottom person and the person at the top was relatively small as mm-hmm. compared to what it is now. However, that money was distributed around a certain demographic and anyone else was hard pressed to get into that distribution, you know, minorities, women, etc. Right? And so now I think those same people don't want to let go of that power. Yeah. And that's but you are seeing cracks in what's happening currently and but it's going to take a while. It's but, going to take a while. Um, no, I agree. And I want to go back to something you just said. Uh, but first, guys, I just want to repeat the book. It's The Bottom-Up Revolution, Mastering the Emerging World of Connectivity. And you can get that on robcall.com, R-O-B-K-L-K-A-L-L, Rob Call. Um, he's our visionary today. You know, you said something a few minutes ago about two types of economics. And, you know, <laughs> Why don't we sell? Why don't we hear more about that? Right? Because that's exactly what it is. I mean, that's really um, interesting point that you make about what what would can you repeat them again? So I don't mispronounce how you extractive and generative extractive is like strip mining. You 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 take a mountaintop and you just destroy it. And when you're done, it's gone. Uh, Another approach is to take an approach that. Is, is sustainable that that leaves things so that there's like like working with a forest and taking out some trees and leaving some to, so that the forest is not destroyed. Yeah. We need to do that all across the planet. We have to stop thinking that mankind has the right to take everything of nature and destroy it and leave nothing behind. We need to learn really from indigenous people. I This is a big part of what I learned in my bottom-up journey is that indigenous people are the ones who still have values that preceded civilization, uh, the kind of top-down civilization of, of, of that came out of uh, – the, the cradle of, of civilization. We need to have a way of relating to nature that lets it survive and respects it and, and, and puts a price on that. Jeez. You know, Rob, if you were at the pulpit and you were preaching those two economic, um, conditions, um, I would vote for you. Um, <laughs> Because that's exactly what we need. We need somebody to clarify, um, you know, generative economics is not socialism, right? Um, but it's a way to sustain and nurture and grow organically. You know, and you talked about the big banks earlier. You know, had they subscribed to that strategy, they'd be in a much better position today, you know? Absolutely. Well- well, but instead, they just bought up all those all those banks. Yeah, growth right? by acquisition. Yeah, that was growth by acquisition, not by any kind of you know thinking. You know, when you talk about on Rob, when you talk about connectivity, when uh, I was in the big banks uh, field, and when they went offshore, um, and we love our offshore teammates, you know, we would get maybe I don't know five hundred emails a day, one written better than the other. And if I had a question and I called someone, it was, wait, why are you calling me? I sent you an email. Can you explain it to me? Well, no, I can't. They don't 
they weren't trained, educated, or versed on communicating verbally. <laughs> and not that it was, not that they were, you know, slower. They were, they were very sharp at what they do. Just like you say, maybe a, from the eighties on, they learn differently and they never learn how to communicate verbally. And, you know, the quality was impacted because if we couldn't understand it, we couldn't develop it either. Right. Well, I think that there's a, a real impairment of people's ability to connect. And, uh, that's why I put a chapter in the book on how to connect. Uh, I've, I've, pres- I've been, one of the things I've done with my life is I've been pretty active over the years with positive psychology. Uh, back in the early eighties, I started thinking and looking at, at psychology and basically it, psychotherapy was totally aimed at identifying pathology and getting rid of symptoms. And I started asking myself, how can you help people without pathologizing them? Can you mm-hmm. teach them positive skills so they can lift themselves into a healthier, better place? And I started uh, working on different ideas with that. Around 1985, I started presenting at national co- conferences for psychologists and people working with pain and what have you. And uh, I, I've uh, present, I came up with a model, the anatomy of positive experience, based on the idea that positive experiences are the basic building blocks of how we have the strength to be happy to love each other, to have fun, and to face challenges. If you don't have positive experiences mm-hmm. uh, under your belt, you're not going to do any of those things. You're going to be afraid to. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, at least a thousand psychologists have heard me say that, and they've 100% of them have agreed. And so the next step is how do you have more, better, deeper, stronger, positive experiences? Yeah. And so I get into that in the book because I think that's a key part of being able to connect with other people. And so I've basically I've present and I presented this at the National Positive Psychology Meeting in the US and Canada as a peer reviewed presentation. Mm-hmm. And uh so basically I believe that you know, that's a key part of of taking steps towards being a more bottom up person is having skills for having these positive experiences and i've applied it specifically to connection too i i get it and you know what talking to you there's no doubt being positive is a byproduct of the bottom-up approach because everything you say is forward thinking and it's a win-win and it's not impacting others so um i get it but we're gonna have to take our next break a lot more to come stay with us this is corporate talk with charlie eva and our special guest rob call will be right back care certification in the workplace is the award-winning shared leadership training seminar that will revolutionize your career and position you as the go-to person in your organization regardless of your job description care is the acronym for courage to take action relevant to everyone This means your new workplace mission is to deliver results for the good of the company, but not at the expense of others. Up until now, CARE certification was only available through company-sponsored seminars. But now you can become CARE certified in the workplace on your own time. Order Module 1 today and begin the transformation. There's unlimited opportunity in the workplace today, provided you have the right strategy. Becoming CARE certified is the right strategy. For more information, go to charlieandeva.com. That's charlieandeva.com. 
let's get back to Charlie and Eva for more Corporate Talk on Talk Zone. Thanks for staying with us, everyone. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva, and our guest today is Rob Call, and he is the author of The Bottom-Up Revolution, Mastering the Emerging World of Connectivity, and you can find the book at Amazon, or you can go to robcall.com. That's R-O-B-K-A-L-L.com, and you can just click on the book right there, and you can get access to it. So, Rob, we were just talking about skills for positive experiences. Can you talk about that a little bit more? Because I think especially lately, people are feeling really down. It's hard to do. It is hard to do. It's hard to stay positive. I mean, it's like with anything else. I mean, it's a habit, I would think. Um, just like being negative can be a habit. Being positive can be a habit. But what are some of the things that you talk about in the book? Okay, well, let me start by saying that in, get, I, in getting into this uh, this whole world of positive psychology, it started by, I, I kind of stumbled into it by doing a, a relaxation tape that, that instructed people to think of a heartwarming experience. Now, most people know what a heartwarming experience is. It's one that makes you have a kind of a, a feeling of a glow in your chest. Mm-hmm. And uh, I... I, I I had that in this instruction tape and I was working with biofeedback. So I had people hooked up to electronics that measured muscle tension and heart rate and skin conductance and skin temperature. And when people could think of a heartwarming experience, all their physiology went in the right direction, more relaxed, more calm. And it was like, whoa, this was uh, an epiphany for me. So I went, and this was the early 80s, so there was no internet. So I went to Psych Abstracts and Index Medicus to try to understand what's a heartwarming experience. Mm. And there, you know, it's not exactly a scientific keyword. Uh, so I, but I dug around and I, mm. and what I did, I looked up what I could. And one of the things I looked at was smiling. And so I had the equipment, the surface electromyography, so I could actually measure the electrical activity of smile muscles. And I would put electrodes, surface electrodes on people's faces, and I would measure their smile activity. And something was really interesting happened. I would ask people to smile as strongly as they could. Now, if you're listening to this, try it. Make a biggest smile as you can. Make it so you can feel it at the corners of your mouth and your eyes twinkling. Big, big smile. Really try hard. Got it? Yes. <laughs> so and I would do that and I would get a reading. And then I would tell them to relax and I would talk to them and I would cajole them into into laughing and, 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 talk and say something funny or they would tell me a story and they would laugh and smile. And guess what? With zero effort, the muscle activity was higher than when they were straining as hard as they could to produce a smile. Mm. Yeah, this is huge. I mean, when you try really, really hard to make the biggest smile you can, you can't make one as big as the one that happens when you naturally engage in feeling good about something. Yeah, because otherwise you're just forcing it and you're grimacing. It felt like a grimace and not like joy. It wasn't joyful. You know what? Yeah. For someone to go to that degree of research mm-hmm. to learn about being positive and its impact. <laughs> this book has got to be a game changer. <laughs> it is a game changer. I mean, um, Rob, mm-hmm. you're out there. I got to tell you. Um, and <laughs> it is hard to be positive, but 
I get the benefits and, uh, you know, we have to try to work at it, right? I mean, I, where would I begin? That's no. well, one thing I learned is there are a lot of different ways to smile. I mean, there are, there are half a dis- diff- dozen different muscles on your face. I mean, the main one is the one from the corner of your lips that raises the corner of your lips up. But there are also muscles that uh, raise the top of your lip, the bottom of your lip, uh, your, your, the corners of your eyes. And they all are part of a smile. And there are smiles that are off your face, too. They're, they're kind of fun. And I mostly discovered them from children. Uh, for example, little kids, toddlers, they wiggle their butts when they're smiling. <laughs> so, you know, you can stand up and wiggle your butt. Uh, uh, my, 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 my four-year-old granddaughter, she pulled her arms back. And, and actually, once I saw her do it, I realized that I play racquetball with a buddy, Chuck. And uh, when he hits a, a kill shot and scores a point, he pulls his arm back in, in, in the same funny. kind of way. <laughs> and, and, you know, there's, there's, you know, laughing, pulling your, your head back. Uh, there's belly laughing. There are all these different ways to smile and that can play a role in intensifying positive experiences. You know, what I did once I came up with this idea that positive experiences are the basic building blocks for our ability to face challenges and to, to try new things and to love and have fun is there are there are six steps to having a positive experience and to connecting too and and the first is to kind of optimize your your health and yourself so that you're ready to have them and you do that by being in good shape being being healthy by being willing and ready to have positive experiences and to connect with other people and to have an attitude towards it uh then you want to improve your skills for anticipating, planning, scheduling, and knowing about how to make this happen. So, you know, you're going to go on a trip somewhere, do some research, know what good stuff is there so you're prepared for it. You're going to meet with somebody, find out some of the good stuff about them, research them. You know, I, I, I do that with, with most people I meet, and some people say it creeps them out, but well, you know, I think it's great. I think, I get to know them better, and I get an opportunity to engage with them at a deeper level. And I think that's valuable, especially if, even if you're just going to a new neighborhood or if you're going to take a day and do a day trip. Know more about what's there. Know, find out about the nature. Find out about the birds that are going to be there, the trees that are going to be there. Find out about the history of it. All those things can help you to see it in a different, broader, deeper, more bottom-up way. Uh, then you, for example, one thing that I think is really fun is you want to anticipate that you are going to have these moments. Now, positive experiences and connections really don't take that long. I mean, you connect with somebody, it's a matter of, uh, you know, the initial connection is just really a matter of seconds, a minute or two maybe. Same thing with positive experiences. These are not long, drawn-out things. They happen very quickly and briefly. And so you can give yourself permission to have these experiences and you can give yourself permission to break out of your schedule, break out of the plan that you had for the, the next 15 minutes even. Now, I like to give as an example. In the spring where I live, there are, there are geese. And at some point, I'm going to see a, a mother goose 
walking with a, a trail of goslings walking behind her. Well, I've given myself permission to stop what I'm doing, pull over if I'm driving, and just watch them. Because it's just a kind of a cute, beautiful thing. And I, what I suggest that you do is you practice an inner dialogue that it goes something like this. There are going to be moments when I'm going to see opportunities that I wasn't planning on. I am giving myself permission in advance. I am encouraging myself to stop what I'm doing when I see one of those opportunities and embrace the moment. And then when you have one of those moments, you just say to yourself, yep, this is one of those moments. I give myself permission. I love that so much because it makes such a huge difference, right? When you're really, when you're setting that intention that you're going to start embracing those moments and you really, really pay attention to them. I absolutely love that. And that's what I liked about the book too, because your book has a lot of great research in it, but then it also, um, it's also a how-to book. So yeah. it doesn't just talk about what bottom up is. It also talks about how do you do that? You know, how do you do this in your personal life? How do you do this in marketing? How do you do this professionally? Um, and that's what it, what I think is really great about the book, because you explain bottom up, but then you also have all these great ideas as to how to then embrace that. Yeah, and the concept. way you were just describing how you give yourself permission to come out of the norm and watch something, um, I guess I guess that's that term that um, you mentioned is holacracy is that how do i say that did i get that right you're saying it right um i'm not sh- keep going keep going um it sort of takes away the the predictable planning aspect of your strategic thinking and allows you to um sort of i guess in a sense be a bottom up thinker and um be a little more unpredictable in your day to day yeah, well, I, I think it, it's it's breaking out of your your routines. I think that's where the, some of the greatest opportunities for happiness happen mm. when you do that. When you break out of your routines, when you see opportunities, and and you know, I, I, I talked about seeing opportunities. You know, that's one of the steps is recognizing. Uh, uh, you can get in the habit of. Uh, Kind of like auditioning possibilities for connections or positive experiences. Huh. You know, you, you're going to go through the day and here's something pops up in front of you or somebody and you can think to yourself, well, here are a couple steps that I can take that I can figure out whether this is going to be a great experience for, for me or not. And it, it's, it, it doesn't take but a second to do that. And remember these, these, most of these things only take a couple seconds or a minute. So it's not like you're killing a huge amount of time. It, yeah. it, that's the beauty of positive experiences. They're sparkling moments. You know, when I was doing the research, I couldn't find anything on heartwarming, but I found stuff on orgasm. There was lots of research <laughs> on the big O. Mm-hmm. And I kind of think of these positive experiences as little O's. They're the mm-hmm. little moments where you sparkle and glow. And, uh, and you know, the challenge is what can you do to make them – First of all, you want to find more of them. You want to be more prepared for them, as I've mentioned. Then you want to be able to recognize, identify, initiate, and embrace them. 
and that's where you, you say to yourself, this is one of those moments, or, or this is where you, you say to yourself, hey, this is great, and how can I make it stronger, longer, deeper? And yep. one of the easiest ways to, to do that is connect with other people who are also there. If, you, if you're there with somebody you care about, touch them. Look in their eyes. Make some sounds. Smile more and strengthen your smile. Move around or stay still. Change things. All of these things can intensify and expand and deepen your positive experience and your connections. And then once you've had it, these are your strongest assets. These are the most, these are what you work hard to do. You work hard to take care of yourself and your family and to have positive experiences, to be able to go on vacation, to be able to engage in your hobbies and your sports and the things you love to do. So when you have these positive experiences, keep a diary. Keep a positive experience diary. And so because what's interesting, one of the things I learned is when you have these warm glowing feelings when when that stuff happens there's very often endorphins involved the natural opiates that your body produces when you get that glow when you get that chill up the back of your neck there can be endorphins involved the thing is endorphins e- evolved to help deal with pain initially that's endorphins are what enable people with battlefield injuries to keep on fighting and surviving uh-huh. And so endorphins block memory. This is such a great conversation and so much good information. We're going to go ahead and take our final break. Stay with us, everyone. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva, and our guest today is Rob Call. We'll be right back. Charlie Lavasco and Eva Lewandowski are on a mission to make a difference in your career, your life, and the world. As consultants, coaches, speakers, and trainers, they each bring different skill sets to the table as well as different products and services, all of which are designed to make a difference for you. Are you looking for fame, fortune, and recognition? Need help with speaking up and being heard? Looking for the right tools for the right issue? Look no further. Go to charlieandeva.com. Check us out. Opt in to our newsletter and let's be teammates. Welcome back to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva on TalkZone.com. Hey, 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 welcome back. Rob, this has been a fantastic show with a few more minutes to go. Um, and I'm just learning and I'm learning about, you know, the human touch, holacracy, generative economics. I just love it. You did a fantastic amount of research and it's all good. Um, I love it. Thank what, you. and again, I just want to say the book is The Bottom Up Revolution, Mastering the Emerging World of Connectivity. And you can go to robcall.com, R-O-B-K-A-L-L. Um, there's a lot of knowledge there and a lot of research. So I was just, you know, I was thinking about all of the above here and, um, coming back to, uh, this, craziness of social media right and all of the different media facebook twitter linkedin pinterest i mean any thoughts or suggestions recommendations like if we're doing some type of marketing communicating uh which ones have more of a bottom-up approach than others 
Well, I've got a whole chapter on bottom-up thinking about how to use the Internet. Uh, and basically, top-down thinking about the Internet is I need this many followers and I will uh, post on Facebook or tweet or whatever to my followers and that, that's who will see me. That's top-down thinking. But there's a bottom-up way to approach using Facebook and Twitter, and that means most probably the biggest idea is using hashtags. When you add hashtags, mm -hmm. people are, are following hashtags. They're searching for hashtags. So if you have 20 followers or friends on Facebook or, or Twitter, if you use a hashtag, you could still reach a 1,000 or 10,000 or 100,000 people who are following that hashtag. And there are specific ways to learn which hashtags to use. And I talk about that in the book. And uh, that changes everything, really. The other thing is social media, uh, you can use them to read stuff from people you follow. But you can also use them to do all kinds of business research as well. And uh, whether it's Facebook or LinkedIn or Twitter, there are a lot of different tools that can help you to get a better handle on who your potential customers are, your competition, uh, who you can synergize with. And all of these add up to a, a deeper understanding of, of how to think about all these social media. So whether it's top down or bottom up, we can still utilize the internet tools like, um, this AI craze that's out there to try to get the data that we need to help us, um, uh, get more of a reach. So we're not shying away from that, right? Well, I think the problem is most people tend to have a top-down way of thinking about social media, and there's so much more opportunity to tap the power and, and resources of social media if you start thinking about it in a bottom-up way. And yeah. same thing goes for designing your website, designing uh, your platform. If, if, you know, if you've if you provide a service, if, if, if you're an author or an artist uh, or a performer, you need a platform. And a platform has certain key ingredients, and, and you really need to have them in order to make it work. It's amazing. If you have a talk show, you need a platform. And, you know, there are elements that every platform should have that maximize people's ways to engage with them. In, in my chapter on bottom-up business, you know, one of the first things, the first messages is the old way of doing a website that looks kind of like a brochure is deadly. And, and if that's all you do, and if you think about a website as a place for you to put up information uh, in a static way and then take an order, you're, you're in trouble. And, and you're certainly not tapping all the potential and power that there is to, to make a website something where you can build a community of your customers and, and, and establish long-term relationships. That's the kind of, that's bottom-up thinking. Yeah. And, and the good thing also, um, once we understand bottom-up thinking, once we go through your book and learn more about all of the research that you did is just unbelievable. There's a blank page of potential out there. Um, the day of hiding my head in my desk so that I'm not tapped on the shoulder and outsourced from my job, maybe I'm not afraid anymore because I know bottom-up thinking, there's a 
so many new business opportunities as a result that are emerging. So I think that's that's hope for the future as well, right? Well, the book has over 50 endorsements, and, and one of the most common things that people have said is it's a very hopeful book. I believe that we've got a great future, and that future means returning to the bottom-up ways of uh, who we were before civilization. Civilization, we need civilization. Civilization is a wonderful thing, but we can make it better, and that's going to mean making it more bottom-up, I believe. Yeah, it's 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 a challenge. Uh, we don't want the spark to go out, right? Right. Because <laughs> we can all make a difference. Well, this well, in- revolution is an explosion. It's a tsunami. It's huge. It's it's well underway. It's produced trillions of dollars in new businesses. It's destroyed trillions of dollars of business. It's unstoppable. It's already happening. And the question is, how much can you understand it and how do you learn about it so you can ride the wave? Yeah. So an example would be, say, uh, in the business world could be the gig economy, right? Where, like you mentioned about Amazon empowering tens of thousands of people as independent businesses to uh, deliver their products, say. Millions. Um, yeah. Yeah. Right. And it's because people have finally realized that it's time to stop giving away their power and letting other people lead. Because I think sometimes what happens is it's kind of easy to let someone else lead because then when they screw up, yeah, you can blame them. Yeah. And now this is about empowering ourselves so that we can start taking ownership, but actually get more from that. Yeah, you know, with, uh, you can get more from it. I think in the case, say, of Google and Amazon especially, um, I think the bottom-up revolution saved them. They would have never been able to grow or handle the business they had had it not been for this explosion from the bottom-up so they can lean on everyone to help them with their business. They think. tapped they understood the they understood bottom-up and they tapped its power and that's why they are where they are. Yeah. And that's what businesses have to do. And if a business doesn't understand bottom up, I really believe it's in trouble because every other business around them is learning it, understanding it and and making the most of it. So and you would call that generative economics, that example of Amazon? Uh, Not necessarily. No. Uh, you can take bottom-up approaches and use them in a negative way, too. I mean, if you look at some of the uh, dictatorships out there, they're starting to understand bottom-up, and they're going to use it, too. Uh, there are bottom-up strategies that can be used in a bad way. Uh, but under, what, I, what Amazon did has been to create a place – where there can be a community of businesses where they make it easy for businesses to do a lot of the stuff and to take advantage of the community that's already there. Mm -hmm. You go to look for a product on Amazon and you're going there because there are so many benefits to going there and there are so many other people doing the same thing. And then you get to see all the bottom-up feedback. You get all the comments and and the reviews. Reviews yeah. are a huge part of a- Amazon's success, and they take their reviews extremely seriously. Yeah. yeah I mean, there's a-, a whole hierarchy of different kinds of reviews. You know, it's a, uh, you purchase the, re- the, the, the product is a different category of review than somebody who, who, who does not have a record of having purchasing it, for example. Yeah. No, I agree. And uh, I agree that companies might be using bottom up incorrectly or as a 
you know, to their advantage. But it's still there. It's still exploding. It's still hope for the future. I think um, I learned a lot today from you, and this book is unbelievable. Uh, I could just imagine you staying up night after night putting and doing more research, putting electrodes on people. Um, that's unbelievable. <laughs> Making them smile. Yeah, you know, uh, it's very, very it's um, impressive. So great it job, is. great work, and this was a great show. Thank well, you so thank much. You. Thank we you could so easily much. go another hour. Yeah, easily. yeah. Excellent. So – uh, once again, uh, the book is The Bottom-Up Revolution, Mastering the Emerging World of Connectivity. Get it right now, robcall.com, R-O-B-K-A-L-L, and join the revolution. And at, at robcall.com, it's got links to all the different places you would go to get the book, Amazon and Pals and Barnes and & Noble and what have you. And it's available if you ask at Barnes & Noble, too. Excellent. So great talk. Um, once again, great to hear from you, Rob. We'd love to have you back. Um, in the meantime, keep leading this uh, bottom-up revolution, okay? Yay, charge. <laughs> All right, take care. Have a great rest of the day. Thank you. You too. It's a great show. Great show, Eva. Um, I, I learned a lot. I, I, I can't wait to get started with what I heard today. I know. And again, it's um, the book is The Bottom-Up Revolution, Mastering the Emerging World of Connectivity, and you can get it at robcall.com, R-O-B-K-A-L-L.com, or go up on Amazon and check it out. He also has a lot of great content there. His podcast is there. His blogs are there. It's terrific. So thank you, everyone, for joining us. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. Have a great week. You've been listening to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. Special thanks to our producer, Dave Olson, and the Talk Zone family. All our replays are available at TalkZone.com or in the iTunes store. Also, be sure to download the free Talk Zone app so you can listen to our show at any time. Your suggestions and comments are always welcome. Please email us at info at CharlieAndEva.com. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>